0: plushcarecom slash Hello, and welcome to this week in the garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help you with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, I'll be joined here in the studio by Anthony Tesla. Anthony travels the globe seeking out new plants having first marketed the rose flower carpet in Australia. Our thanks to Mr. Fothergill Seeds, sponsors of this podcast. Great weather this week for chillies and courgettes, melons and cucumbers. They love that hot, really humid sort of weather. And if you happen to see Jamie Oliver's recipe in the magazine last Saturday for... Chilies and courgettes, I can tell you that with the courgettes they need a lot of feeding and watering. Don't let them get dry. And if the weather does turn a bit wet, then you need to watch the flowers on the end of courgettes. If you leave them in place as they die, they can rot and the rot spreads back through the developing courgette. So just keep an eye on that and as soon as the petals shrivel, just tear it cleanly away. My congratulations this week to the Hawksmill Nurseries, who got the GEMA Award, that's the Garden Industry Manufacturers Association Award, for the best plant seeds bulbs introduced in 2017-2018. And it was for their plant, Salvia Pink Lips. You know, those salvias are really fantastic things, they flower non And the red lips is very popular, so now we have pink lips with uh, aromatic foliage. The bees and butterflies love it. It'll grow to about 90 centimetres high and a 60 centimetre spread, and you should begin to see it come on sale into retail nurseries and garden centres in the very near future. Your last chance, too, to sow peas, Uh, I'm sowing the variety Terrain and Eddy. Both of them are mildew resistant, and they're the kinds. Oh, and also uh, in the paper next Saturday, we've got the Polyanthus seedlings Crescendo. They're the best. Really lovely stout stems, tremendous size of flower, great colour. So uh, that's an offer to watch out for. I saw an interesting headline in the paper this week. Uh, Tesco selling 180 tonnes of UK-grown apricots. Apparently there's eight growers in Essex, the Isle of Wight and Kent, now growing apricots, and it's been a very good year for them. And I can say it has, our tree at home in my garden has yielded 52 pounds of apricots from one tree. I'll tell you, I've been making jam, apricot, crumble, apricot, tarts, we've had apricots fresh, and we got a great big lot in the deep freeze, and pretty well everyone up and down the street has to have a punnet of apricots, but we're just about done, but there is a problem, because right alongside it, I've got a new, or new seven or eight year old now, plum from Eastern Europe. It's absolutely loaded with plums, In fact, one big branch has broken under the weight of them. I should have had it propped up. We're going to switch from a surfeit of apricots to just masses and masses of plums. Get ready, people. There'll be punnets of plums on the way to you wherever I walk and spread. But staying on the fruit subject, now's a good time, if you've got some really healthy strawberries, to start to uh, root a few runners. The best way to do it, I think, is to get a three and a half inch, nine centimetre pot, fill that up with a nice bit of a universal potting compost, ordinary potting compost, half bury the pot in the soil alongside the mother plants, and then push the runners with the little roots just starting to form into the compost and give those a really good watering. Having the pot sunk in the soil means they won't dry out quite so quickly because you do need to keep that compost damp and really in a very short time, certainly three weeks, they will have rooted nicely and you'll have new runners ready to plant out either a new bed or you can pot them on and then uh, leave them in the pots over the winter outside, bring them into a cold frame or greenhouse or something next February, March and you'll be picking strawberries off those new plants by the end of May next year. Now, if you've got a small greenhouse or a polytunnel, then crops like cucumbers will be growing at one hell of a rate. I think that I picked eight cucumbers off two plants yesterday, so it's rather like the apricots and the plums, you know, we're spreading cucumbers wherever we go. But if you're not sure how to train a cucumber, how to trim it and tidy it, Well, we've just recorded a little three-minute video. That seems to be the best way to uh, show you. And if you go on to sungardening.co.uk, you can see my cucumber and the way that at every leaf joint there will have been a cucumber cut and a side shoot grows. And once that side shoot has made two leaves, I stop it. And at the uh, base of each of those leaves, another cucumber is likely to form. Not easy to describe this over the air, so uh, if you have a quick look at the video, hopefully it'll show you just what needs doing.
1: If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers.
0: we got a very special guest from, uh, shall we say, down under, Mr. Anthony Tesselar. Anthony, we've known you for a long time. I call you Mr. Flower Carpet. Is that a good name, do you think? Uh,
2: yeah, I hear that quite often, somehow or another.
0: Yeah. Now, your family, the name Teslar, yes. is Dutch. Correct. Yeah, so how did you come to be in Australia?
2: Dad uh, immigrated, to, actually, was on the last boat out of Holland in 1939. So he was married in the morning and hopped on the boat in the afternoon and he left for Australia. Incidentally, the last boat out of Holland for Australia.
0: Amazing.
2: And uh, so we were all born as uh, seven
0: in our family and we were all born in Australia. And then did he set up a business then? I mean, did he have any idea of what he was going to do when he got to Australia?
2: Uh, well, he knew that he wanted to grow bulbs and uh, had no idea anything about the country at all. And uh, he sort of got off in Perth and then Melbourne and Sydney and he liked Sydney because it's was all razzmatazz and he went and saw the consul there and he says, what do you want to do? And he says, I want to grow bulbs and he says, well, you better go back to Melbourne because it's too hot here in Sydney right. and so that's how he ended up in Melbourne.
0: And then what did he do? Because, I mean, your business is uh, traditionally quite large and very well respected around the world.
2: Uh, now, but at that stage, uh, Dad was just starting out. So he started off with uh, a few gladioli that he brought with him uh, before the war. And uh, so he started growing gladioli and growing cut flowers for the market. And uh, so that's how he started. And he started closer to the city because when he went to Australia, he asked his father any advice. And his father said, look, I know nothing about the country. He says, the only piece of advice I can give you is you stick close to your market. He went a little bit out of the city itself and stuck there and then after the war he found out that uh, where he was wasn't really that far out because once you get out there and see your surrounds it's often not as bad as you think. And so then he moved to Sylvan which is in the mountains around Melbourne and uh, that's where we've been ever since.
0: And what is the business? I mean, what are, you, are you still in bulbs?
2: Um, well, originally it was bulbs, then Dad went into bulbs, then we went into cut flowers, then uh, we started mail order in 1948, and then in the 60s we started having flower shows, like a little mini coconut, and uh, then we went into packing bulbs for all the big uh, wholesalers around Australia. We ended up being the largest floricultural company in Australia.
0: Goodness, so that's quite an inheritance. And now you travel the world looking for uh, interesting and exciting plants. Is that correct?
2: Uh, very exciting. It's yeah, it's, we do. Uh, we go around looking looking for plants that are distinctively different. We don't do many different plants, maybe eighteen, twenty different uh, types. But it's more about having a plant that's going to perform, that's uh, eco-friendly, and basically, I don't like plants that require a lot of spraying and things like that. Um, they have to perform for a long period of time. So we want long colour or long good foliage colour for a long period of time, not just for a week because that week you just might be on holiday so you spent your whole year getting that plant ready and then you haven't seen anything. So it's all about colourful, easy care, no spraying and uh, that it basically looks after itself.
0: Now when we first met... I think it probably was around a rose flower carpet, wasn't it? And you had this crazy idea of selling them in pink pots. I remember, it, you know, it had the hair standing on the back of our necks it, that anybody should change from terracotta to pink. My approach
2: there was primarily at that stage it was terracotta and black and green pots. They were the basically three colours, and I thought well, here we had with flower carpet a distinctively different plant that really was a great performer. And it was right in the days when nobody thought about non-spraying roses. And when I say non-spraying, that you didn't have to spray any chemicals or anything on that. So therefore, I wanted it to look distinctively different as well. So we had a label that had a gold trim around it that flickered in the, uh, uh, when there was a bit of wind. I wanted it to catch the eye. And uh, then I thought, oh, what better to catch the eye than a pink pot? And I, I must admit, we had many people that thought we were absolutely crazy. Um, I had one person actually in Australia when we were doing this, and he basically said, look, uh, I'm part of a a very large garden centre chain, and uh, we want to order 50,000, which was a huge amount even for them at that stage. Of one variety, Of one variety, uh, considering that most they would ever sold of a single variety was 10,000, so he wanted to take 50,000. We said, they're coming in pink pots. And he says, no, no, that's uh, that's definitely not going to work. I said, well, we had thought about it. And I said, yeah, we're going to do it in pink pots because it's part of this branding and setting it apart. He said, well, if you do that, I'm going to cut my order right down to 5,000. Oh, that was a tough call. (laughs) So we thought, gee, what are we going to do? And we thought, no, we're going to stick with our principles. And that was the principle, and that was what we're going to do. So we said, no, we're staying in the pink pots. And he said, that's okay. I've just canned the order, and it's only 5,000. End of story. So uh, we released it, and uh, it was a great success. And uh, he later told me it was his worst ever mistake that he ever had in the gardening industry. (laughs) It's nice to be right, isn't it? Yes, Casey, (laughs) it's
0: good. And and the rose, I mean, right at our front gate, Mm -hmm. I have one plant of the original flower carpet pink, still growing, making a magnificent show. I mean... It Must be what 25 30 years, yeah. It was released here in about 1994, yes. yeah. Over 20 years, yeah. Growing against a yew hedge, U-H, so it's really got some fierce competition. And it, it's the thing is fantastic, uh, yeah. We've got this, in our trial gardens, we trial plants for what,
2: many years, we don't do a one or two year trial. Um, so most plants before we release them have at least five years' trials because you can have a good sunny season or a good cold winter or something but we want to go through all different seasons and we've had uh, rose breeders that come into our trial gardens they've looked at the plant that's by us 30 years old and uh, we just cut them back we either trim them a third cut them in half or cut them to ground level each year in a different way and uh, in spring they come out just looking totally new and this rose breeder come in he says uh, when'd you plant that two years ago and we said no that's 30 years old and he said, that can't be It can't look so good after 30 years. And I said, well, that's what it does. And that's what we look for, distinctively different, really tough
0: plants. Amazing. Now, on this trip to Europe, where have you been and what have you seen?
2: Came into uh, Holland uh, from Australia. Uh, We went through the flower trials, had a look at the flower trials in Holland, which were on at that time. Uh, Went down through Belgium into Nantes, uh, where they have a huge uh, garden show for the trade. Um, then went through uh, Germany to see the breeder of flower carp at Noack Rosen, uh, looking at the new material that he is breeding, which is all very exciting. I might be able to show you a picture, but that's as far <laughs> as it's going to go. and uh, Because that's not going to come out for about another three or four years.
0: Well, you know, we like to grow them for at least a year before uh, Absolutely. We, we pass comment on these things. Uh, every breeder has eyes for his own children, doesn't he?
2: When we go and look at a plant, we look at it from the consumer viewpoint. Um, And so often we find breeders haven't got one pair of rose-coloured glasses on. They've often got two or three stacked on (laughs) each other, right? Exactly for that reason. And some of the breeders are not too happy when we go through and say, look, a great plant, but it's not going to cut the mustard, so to speak, because it has to be good, it has to be different, it has to be uniform. Uh, I'm not interested in a plant that just gives one great flush and then it disappears Uh, to me that's not what good gardening is all about for the consumer who wants colour in the garden with a minimum amount of fuss and minimum amount of spraying if any at all Um, because that's really important for us and that's what we look for
0: and on this trip is there one plant that uh, sort of shines out or is Um, is that the kind of question you won't answer on air?
2: I uh, can't say yet, but yeah, because it takes a, a few years to get uh, to trials. But we saw, and I can show you a picture in a minute, um, we saw uh, some new type of uh, hydrangea for us, hortensia, um, and said we're at the breeders looking at some uh, new roses that are really way outside the box. And earlier on, I was talking about uh, we have a 25-year approach in everything that we do. And that includes, every time I look at a plant, is it going to be good enough for 20 years to sell it? And there's certain plants you think, yeah, that's going to be good for two or three years and it's gone. I like the plant to be available for a long period. It doesn't mean that you want to keep it in the garden for that long. That doesn't matter. Some people do, some people don't. But that if you've had it and your friends have seen it and they want it, that it is available because it is a good, everlasting, top-quality plant. And to me, that's important.
0: And generally speaking, we think here it takes six to seven years in practice for a name to become accepted and, and understood. You know, this uh, two or three years for a new variety, it just doesn't work in the uh, average gardener's mind.
2: You're 100% correct there. The issue to getting it accepted is you have to overcome that, uh, that problem, mental problem thinking, yeah, is this just new or is it a good plant? and you have to see it around and performing in in the landscape and in the neighbour's garden and all these sorts of things and you want to start hearing good points coming back that yeah this plant is good and that's why we'll often trial for four or five or six years we've seen other plants uh, we discussed earlier a plant that we had that we tested for eight years i had another plant that we're working through 10 years and in the end after 10 years I thought I've done enough testing it was on the edge it's not going to cut the mustard there either so we let that go a lot of time and effort but to me the plant itself has to be performing long after we're gone to be good.
0: Now if I understand uh, the mood in the states particularly mm-hmm. the throwaway society is very strong there and and this uh, British tradition of actually nurturing and looking after things and expecting to get a long life seems to be disappearing. Is that your opinion around the world?
2: Uh, For plants people, no, but for the consumer, because plants people don't buy plants, they only grow them and sell them and try to introduce them. It's the consumer that really is the factor about anything that any of us do in the plant industry. And we have to be cognizant of how um, the norms are changing. Fashions change very fast. People buy a new pair of shoes today, and next year they might wear them. They might not wear them. They'll buy something else. Same goes with clothes and everything. And yes, we are becoming a very throwaway society. If your toaster that you have goes on the blink, you can't even get it repaired anymore. You just have to go out and buy one. So. It is encroaching on us over the last 25 years more so than we've ever seen. And it is coming into the plant industry. Often I have plants too at home that I'll dig out and say, right, you've had your time in my garden. I want to put something else in there. The old style was not once you had it in there, you left it there forever. But I think it's exciting to be able to change plants out. Yes, you've seen that for five years or six years or three years, and it was great while it was there. I want to try something else and put it in. And that's reflecting not only in the garden, but it's also reflecting people are buying uh, a potted plant and uh, it's going to be there while it flowers and good. And if I don't water it, people think, gee, that was a bit of bad luck. They'll throw it out and go and buy a new one. Yeah. So it is very, very much the throwaway society. But rather than fear it, embrace it, I think, is the reality, because that's the only thing that
0: we can do. Well, now, yesterday you were in our famous uh, RHS Wisley Gardens. Any comments on that just before we close here today?
2: Yeah, look, I always enjoy going through Wisley. I came through this time in the middle of summer, very, very different than it is in spring, which was great to see. There was a lot of mums there with the children walking around the park enjoying the aspects of what Mother Nature can give. I was just saying to Cheryl, my wife, who's with me, and I said, gee, smell the air while you're in this great park. It is so pure, so clean. It makes you feel good. It's enjoyable. There's a freedom. There is an expression that you get there without you knowing you're getting it just by sitting in the garden and soaking in Mother Nature and getting a little bit of that
0: free me time just to enjoy Um, well it certainly keeps me sane and Anthony I'm going to keep chasing you for news of that new NOAC rose if it's better than flower carpet then you've got an absolute gem for us thank you for joining us today
2: it's a real pleasure Peter thank you for inviting me
0: (laughs) out and about this week somebody said uh, would it be all right to plant their calistemon the bottle brush plant from a pot into the garden at this time of year. And I said, yes, it, was, it would be fine. You know, the uh, bottle of brush will certainly take some heat. But my advice was to water the plant well first. Make sure that it's absolutely damp right through. Dig a hole good and big enough to take the pot and then fill that hole with water. Let it sink in and then fill it again and then you take the pot off and plant the calistemon. With all that moisture low down, it'll stand a much better chance of rooting out and getting established quite quickly. Looking down the GTN, Garden Trade News, bestsellers, some of you, if you were listening earlier, we had an interview with Trevor Pfeiffer, who brings up the top 50 selling lines each week. I noticed that spring onions have suddenly become very popular in the last week or two in June and early July, lots of people were buying a spring onion seed. I thought that was quite interesting. And the sale of smaller bags of compost have suddenly increased. So I don't know whether it's the keen gardeners that buy in bulk early in the year, and those more casual gardeners just buy a smaller bag exactly what they want later or not. I don't know. But it's the bag size under 30 litres, which have been selling very fast in the last few weeks. Whatever you do, yeah, keep buying compost and keep growing plants. It'll give you enormous pleasure. Thanks again to our sponsors, Mr. Fothergill's Seeds. And thanks to you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk